With the gambling, um, you know, you're so open about what's happened with that in your life. Um, when do you think that that sort of started for you? Like, how did you get introduced to punting? How did you get introduced to gambling? Yeah, I, I was 14, um, almost the same time I started playing footy at Melbourne. Um, I headed on down to Mooney Valley Trots. I got asked to go with a mate. I'd never had a bet before, and we put on a bet and it won. And I, I think that was probably the, the problem that my first bet I ever had, I put on um, $4.50 and got back $60, and... I think the adrenaline just went through the body, Dylan, and uh, I just wanted to i wanted to keep chasing, and I did. And um, from that day on to the age of 32, I gambled every day of my life. It just, it just engulfed me, and I just loved the feeling of when I was winning. And, you know, I've never been... I've never, I've never had drugs or I've never been addicted to alcohol or any of that, but I can imagine that for those that do suffer the same addiction, it's just the... It's just that thrill and it's just that feeling that was going through my body at the time that was that was so electric. So, yeah, it started at 14 and, you know, you couple that in with the good wage at the footy club and um, the access to, you know, high-profile people who owned horses, you know, through members and sponsors and so forth. It was just a, you know, volatile cocktail that just exploded on me and then coupled that with injuries and spare time it just snowballed and before I knew it I just you know I'd lost a lot and I was chasing and you know when you when you start chasing and yeah it's not good it can catch up on you pretty quickly oh bloody oath mate it's it's, you know it's scary even thinking about that for me like I've never been um like when I was younger I'd obviously bet with mates and stuff but as I said earlier since that day you came out to the club um and you know for me in my past a lot of people have been affected by gambling it was just something that stuck with me so much and the way you sort of told your story which you are again today um i appreciate it so much and um i'm just hoping that other people can can get that themselves i I think within footy clubs too dill um and and cricket clubs and you know i've spoken to nrl and i used to do all the nrl all cricket australia it's 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 the same sort of um mentality you know the, the one thing that gambling does it it's not it doesn't dictate uh, who the person is, but what happens with elite athletes is there's so many behaviours that are similar. You know, you're really driven. You know, you're competitive. Um, you, you've got you've got high levels of testosterone. You know, you're in team environment. A lot of them in team environments. A lot of money. A lot of sponsors. A lot of spare time. A lot of group. You know, group togetherness. So f- to become a problem gambler, you tick a lot, so many boxes, and it doesn't matter how you know, discipline you think you are, that mob mentality, that group mentality can seriously take over really quickly. So, um, you know, yeah, I hope the message that I do give to, you know, the sports people that, you know, all the warning signs, I hope that I hope that it does get through. And I'm really glad it got through to you. And as I said to you at, at the start of the podcast, that, you know, I still speak to a couple of the players that I spoke into that meeting. And we have constant dialogue about, you know, life, not just, just not just about gambling, but about decision making and about, you know, you know, certain circumstances and certain examples of, you know, how and why and when. And so, you know, the more we speak about it, the better chance we have of cutting it off before it becomes a real issue. Do you think that the AFL does enough to combat gambling? Like, I suppose for me, you know, I, it's, I'm probably split in two minds. Like, I think it's up to the person as well, but I suppose there is other outlets that can help you know, sway those. Yeah, benefits. look, I think I think you're right. I, I think you're spot on. Um, you know, the individual has to take responsibility. You know, we can't 
we can't cuddle these and smother these, you know, people for their whole entire careers. You've got to remember, these aren't boys, these are men. They've yeah. had more education than, you know, the average Joe Blow who's in the normal workforce. So, you know, they, they are educated on a, on a yearly basis, more than, more than once a year. So the message would be certainly getting to them. Whether they take that message in or not, I don't know. But I certainly believe the AFL do a hell of a lot. It's a double-edged sword, though, because the problem you've got is that the governing body takes so much from gambling agencies so the money generated on gambling they can get a slice of. So whilst you're doing that, you're kind of selling your soul in some ways. My biggest issue is with gambling advertising. I just think that we're saturated with it. I think our kids have become um, so entrenched and used to it. And, and, I, and I tell this story because... I'll never forget it. My son was uh, 11 years of age, and uh, he's now 15. And he said, Dad, Tigers win tonight. And I said, yeah, I know, they're pretty good. You know, they got, you know, Dusty, and they got bloody Deledio and got all these good players. He said, no, 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 Dad, they're thirteen. And I thought, mm, it's not because they've got good players. It's because the bookies say that say that they um, that they should win. And I, and I think that when they normalise it through gambling, um, the, the gambling agencies have won. And and that's purely through advertising. And until government change, legislation with gambling advertising, we're going to continue to see gambling advertising everywhere, post-match, pre-match, sometimes during the match, um, which is a real concern. Yeah, it's bloody scary. Um, when did you know that you had a problem in your, in your uh, gambling? Uh, I reckon in the first time I kind of got the gravity of the situation was in 1997. Um, I'd, I'd, sorry, 1998. I'd got, gone to the end of my four-year contract, my first four-year contract, 95, uh, 6, 7 and 8, and I'd blown all my money, but I'd also blown $200,000 in equity in my house, and I thought, oh, shivers, where did that go? And then signed another good contract in 99 and 2000, and by that stage I was playing catch-up and it was too late. Right. It was too late. I just couldn't. I just couldn't. I couldn't turn. Actually, I should have. I could have been able to turn around, but I didn't have the discipline, and I didn't have the understanding that I was not in a good place. And back in these as well, you were earning really good money, and you had a property. It was in Q. Uh, I bought a house in Campbell. I, I was earning. I was earning four hundred thousand a year in ninety five, six, seven, and eight, and I got a pay rise on top of that. So I, the money was good. I was doing footy show. I don't know. I was probably earning five or six hundred thousand. Far out. So the money was big. The money was really big. What are some of the most you know outrageous stories that you know maybe of some winnings and some losses in in oh, I, won, I won just under seven hundred thousand one weekend. Um, then I won a couple of hundred thousand the following weekend. So I had nearly a million dollar fortnight. Uh, bought a house in Dawson Avenue in Brighton. Paid one point three five for it. Uh, I had to sell it sixteen weeks later. Uh, for 1.6 because I couldn't afford it. Uh, that house sold a few months ago for $8 million. <laughs> oh, um, my God. Um, I was, won a house and land package at Crown. Took me 13 hours to lose it. it just silly things like that. Like I just, I just couldn't stop. Didn't matter what I did. I just, the money became irrelevant. It was more the thrill of punting that, that got me going. And, you know, I, you know, you wouldn't believe it, but on May the 3rd of this year, it's 15 years since I've given up, and um, in the in the 15 years, I, I I couldn't be any calmer. 
Uh, I'm in control. I've had to rebuild everything. It's taken me 12 years to pay off all my debt. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm in a really good position now only because of, you know, giving up 15 years ago. If, I, if I'd given up 10 years ago instead of 15, I'd be still probably three years away from paying off debt. If I'd given up, you know, 20 years ago, I would have been a mile in front. And the only ones that miss out on that are my kids, and that's the unfortunate thing. But they understand, uh, but they've told me, don't go back, Dad, because uh, you've got to leave us something when you, <laughs> when you do exit. And uh, we actually like the dad that you are now because you're nice and calm. Yeah. How much money do you think? It'd be hard to think about, but how much money do you think you have lost over the years? I reckon four to five million in, in cash. Um, and I reckon I've lost out on the. I, I reckon I've spoken to the kids about this. If I didn't gamble, I'd be worth twenty to thirty million now. Wow! Because the money would have the money would have capitalised. Yeah, it goes. And, yeah. You know, I had I had properties, and you know, yeah, I've always, you know, I've always believed in property. And if I had to put all my money into property, because I know I've got another an ex teammate that did exactly what I did that didn't gamble, and he's now got seven homes. Yeah. Wow. All paid off. Yeah, that's incredible. So, yeah, so so they're, they're, that's what you miss out on. And but like you said, mate, credit to yourself. You have paid everything back, and you're on your feet now. And and obviously on three AW. Yeah, doing and, and look, that doesn't happen. Deal without it's it's hard work. But I've also had good people in my corner. Like you know, I've been I've been lucky that you know whilst whilst I've gambled, I haven't I haven't done the dirty on anybody. I've always had respect for you know my teammates and. You know, I never, you know, the, the hardest criticism I ever cop was, you know, taking Travis Johnson and Daniel Ward down the wrong path where the truth to be known is I probably gambled with Travis two or three times in my life. I probably gambled with Daniel Ward once in my life. Yet because I was the older player, I was coupled into that and I was seen as the bad influence. I, I never gambled with people from my footy club. Um, I always did it with, with um, uh, by myself or with um, with other punters that, I, that I'd grown up with. So... That was that was probably the hardest thing that, that that I got associated with. But you know, with that as a leader of the footy club, you you got to you got to cop that criticism. You got to be able to you got to be able to deal with that and 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 move on. And you know, Travi and Daniel Ward, I still speak to you know regularly about what they're going through. And um, you know, we've you know it just happened. The three of us had issues along the way, and you know, I'm through mine and. I think Wardy's through his, and Travis uh, Travis pretty close to getting through his. So it's all it's all on the up for um, for us three.